Autism now affects 1 in 88 children, in which 1 in 54 are boys, and the prevalence figures are growing daily. Autism is the fastest growing serious developmental condition in the United States that costs a family $60,000 a year on average, while the cause receives less than 5% of the research funding of many less prevalent childhood diseases. As to date, there is no medical detection or cure for autism. Help us at the JZO Modcast Network change that as April is National Autism Awareness Month. We ask all of you to join us this month in honoring the boys and girls who live with this condition each and every day of their lives, in donating to a charity centered around researching and possibly finding a cure. Any amount is welcomed because chances are you personally know someone directly affected with autism. Let's come together and make a change. Hi, I'm Melissa Ridley-Elms, and I won the 2019 Open Contract Challenge from World of Myth, Jason on Dark Myth Publications. And my book, <laughs> Arthurian Things, a Collection of Poems, was published in January 2020. And so far it has received some very nice reviews, and a couple of the members of the Science Fiction Poetry Association are considering it for a nomination for an Elgin Award. So, if you're wondering, is this a real contest? It is a real contest. And if you're wondering, um, do I, should I submit? I don't know. Maybe I will, maybe I won't. Well, do you want to be a published writer? Take a chance. The worst thing that can happen is you don't win. And the best thing that can happen is you do win and you publish your book. Go for it. My name is Walter G. Esselman, and I'm the winner of the 2020 Open Contract Challenge. It's real. My book, Super Horror Max, I took it to a convention this weekend and was selling it. So check it out. Dreams can come true. Hi, my name is Peggy Gerber and I'm the 2021 Open Contract Challenge Grand Prize winner. Because of this competition, I can now proudly call myself the author of the published book, Stumbling in Crazy Town. To learn more about this amazing opportunity, go to www.opencontractchallenge.com and make all your publishing dreams come true. And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Hey there, this is Ralph Garman, and you are listening to the World of Myth Bits. You made an excellent choice. Welcome to the World of Myth Bits. I am your host, Jenna Sparks, and this is episode 172. So again, welcome to the world of Myth Bits, episode 172. I have a, a lot to say. This Well, it's not a lot, a lot, but it's a good amount. So before I get too overzealous, let's go ahead and 
jump into some housekeeping. So first and foremost, do not forget that the deadline for submissions for the open contract challenge is April 30th by 11.59 uh, Pacific Standard Time. 11.59 a.m., that is, Pacific Standard Time. So April 30th, guys. Next, the magazine, in case you haven't heard, uh, the magazine has indeed been postponed, and the March issue will now be the April issue. So everything, everything and everyone who uh, is set to be in the March issue will now be in the April issue for April 24th. All current submissions for April... They're just being moved to May. So, you know. Uh, Ad Space is also available for all platforms. So if you are interested in acquiring said Ad Space, go ahead and email advertising at jzomondarkmyth.com for prices. And the Wednesday sale at Myth Mart is in full swing. And this week, David K. Montoya's book, the Missing Unicorn in the Land of Zombie Fairies is on sale. So use the code MAGIC25 at checkout for 25% off. Each Wednesday, we will have a new item on sale. And go ahead and follow Myth Mart on Facebook and Instagram so you don't miss an awesome, fantastic sale. And finally, New Wave is off and running and welcoming several new authors for upcoming comics. And our own Walter G. Esselman will have a comic of Liberty's Run coming out. And if you are following New Wave on Instagram as well as Walter G. Esselman, you will get previews of some of the art. And it's so exciting. It's, I, it's really cool. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, it's the basics. Open contract challenge. Don't forget about that. Um... Myth Mart sales awesomeness and yeah. <laughs> so regarding the magazine coming out uh, being postponed, you know things happen, and it's you know I'm, I'm kind of experiencing my own bout of that. <laughs> you know where everything just kind of um, not so much with the magazine, just in my own life. It's like everything becomes so overwhelming. And I've done it all to myself. I only, I literally only have myself to blame. Um, so <laughs> I'm pooped. I'm pooped. I'm pooped every week, but this week in particular. Um, and it doesn't help that I, I pulled a muscle in my back because I'm getting older. And I forget that before I do certain things, I need to stretch. I need to take better care of my body before I uh, do things like moving a gigantic desk and uh, <laughs> I wind up paying the price for it. So not on that note in any way, shape or form, but moving on. <laughs> uh, last week we did an episode where I started the top 10 countdown regarding the top 10 truths about being a creative. So this week I'm going to finish that list up. And like I said, I have a lot to talk about and a lot of things, you know, on my on my little mind uh, regarding life in general and being a creative, you know. And it's kind of funny because uh, when I started doing this little mini-series uh, regarding these lies and truths... Um, it started out, I wound up in kind of a really crappy place mentally, you know, where I just felt really crummy. I felt really, 
really, I really pitied myself. You know, I had my own little pity party for, for a while, for a couple of days. And, um, because it's hard, it's exhausting. And, you know, it seems like a lot of times there's just a lot of, um, it's a, it's, there's a, it feels like there's a constant battle of things just working against creatives. And in particular, like right now, I don't know if anybody's heard, but there is, uh, by the time this episode will be released on April 11th, there is, if you're familiar with Etsy Marketplace, uh, it has essentially really kind of Things have changed. Things have start, started to change in Etsy at Etsy in about 2017, 2018, where things uh, things that had not previously been allowed on the marketplace, uh, certain fees were increased. It just it got worse and worse and f- less and less manageable for a lot of sellers. So. By April 11th, there is a talk about, you know, an Etsy strike. And, you know, I I think it's very important. And um, it just, it sucks, you know, because uh, for for a lot of people, Etsy Marketplace, I say Etsy Marketplace, but the, the Etsy Marketplace, it is a very important platform to gain visibility and to gain traction. But it feels like when you're a seller and you're the one who, you know, you're constantly taking pay decreases. And so if you see certain things, you know, it it sucks because for what I sell my stuff on Etsy is very different than what I'll sell my stuff in person, strictly because of the fees. And I'm fine with that. I get it. You know, I think most people acknowledge that, you know, to e-commerce is very different than uh, commerce in person when you are a very small business and when you're relying on, again, uh, a website and a platform like Etsy where you are paying for more than you would if you were creating and generating your own e-commerce site where you're relying on garnering your own traction via your own followers, via your own audience. So it's just, it's it's... It sucks. It sucks. So my point is to all of this, it feels like, like I said, constantly, it feels like there's just something kind of badgering away at people who are simply trying to survive, you know, simply trying to do. But I also got a lot of good news this week that really got me excited. And um, I've got projects lined up galore, like I said, to the point where... I I think, I mean, I'm going to manage it. I have to. It's literally my only choice. But um, I, I, you know, when you get the, the good news, it just kind of makes things um, a little easier to acknowledge, <laughs> you know, because if you're like me and you start getting overwhelmed and you kind of just turn on the TV and zone out for a minute, you know, trying to remember how to function and prioritize things. So when you when you get the good news, and even if you are overwhelmed, you know, you still are. It's 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 simpler. It's simpler to be able to take in all of your tasks. So, really, all I'm gonna say about that good news is if you are local to the high desert of Southern California. 
keep an eye out for um, some fun events coming your way <laughs> uh, that I'm super, super, super stoked to be a part of putting together. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you tell I haven't really talked to anybody in a minute? All right. So <laughs> let's jump back into our list. So last week I talked about, you know, the first, the first on the list was faking it until you make it, which funny enough, after I wrote this list, I watched the series, The Dropout on Hulu, which absolutely it's so worth a watch the story honestly you know it's I don't love watching dramatizations or biopics typically just because I think there's just there's too there's too much room to take you know creative liberties for the sake of entertainment and I don't always love that but the dropout genuinely was very very fascinating and I did have to go on this entire like deep dive into Theranos and everything I didn't know about Elizabeth Holmes and uh, <laughs> all of these wild things that occurred. And, um, you know, it, it just, it was a really, really, really good and interesting series. And I was kind of forced to think back to what I had written for <laughs> this this little series regarding uh, faking it until you make it. Uh, and the, the point I would like to make about that sentiment is to uh, not, not fake it until you make it. Um, uh, the <laughs> potential absolute harm and theft that could occur uh, upon people you are surrounded by. <laughs> so, uh, but faking it until you make it, you know, being a more of a mental state in which, uh, you have to kind of fight your own imposter syndrome and, uh, basically establish that you are more capable than you will ever give yourself credit for. Uh, the next part on the list was that you won't know until you try. And uh, that one is just about really uh, throwing caution to the wind and uh, to, again, not doubt yourself. And then after that, social media, it is indeed the best place for visibility, uh, which I don't know how many people uh, have gotten the update on their Instagram feed, but now they do have the chronological feed in place. And I am so stoked because... I noticed that the last post I put forward, um, it did, it's probably one of my, my better performing posts, and I'm very happy for that, uh, just because um, everybody's been complaining about the algorithm for a very long time, so it's nice that we kind of were able to gain a little bit of visibility like that, and hopefully it'll work for Etsy as well. So anyway... <laughs> Uh, number four on the list was that you have to spend money to make money. Uh, and this one is intensely um, unfortunate and uh, painful <laughs> a lot of the time. In fact, we are currently, say we, uh, Joe and I are, you know, we have a huge convention coming up in July uh, to the point where I... <sighs> Let's, I just bought myself a laminator, <laughs> so 
know <laughs> that. <laughs> okay. Anyway. And the last point addressed in the last episode was that you do have an audience and that your audience are uh, trusted. You know, it, it is a trusted collective of people who do uh, significantly help with the entire concept addressed in the previous uh, listing regarding the spending money to make money. And that leaves us with number six. And we are going to kick off now with this point. And it is probably one that is very important, probably one of the most important ones that I think uh, everybody forgets. Everybody forgets, but we all deal with it, we, and we consistently deal with it. So number six on the list is that you will indeed compare... I don't know why indeed is the, the word of the week. You will compare yourself to others. Uh, there is no escaping it. People constantly evaluate themselves and others in domains like attractiveness, wealth, intelligence, and success. According to some studies, as much as 10% of our thoughts involve comparisons of some kind. Social comparison theory is the idea that individuals determine their own social and personal worth based on how they stack up against others. The theory was developed in 1954 by psychologist Leon Festinger. Later, research has shown that people who regularly compare themselves to others may find motivation to improve, but may also experience feelings of deep dissatisfaction, guilt, or remorse, and engage in destructive behaviors like lying or disordered eating. And that is uh, all credited to psychology today. So why is it so ingrained in us to constantly compare ourselves to others? It seems like there is no facet in life that seems immune to this imaginary competition we all wind up entering with zero autonomy uh, or even a willingness to participate. And yet it happens time and time again. Parents compare themselves to other parents, kids to other kids, fashion choices with other fashion choices, eating habits with uh, other eating habits, how we care for our pets, how we exercise, how we watch TV, what TV we watch, what movies we like, how we prefer listening to music. Every social construct is an inevitable bout, inevitable bout of uh, comparisons. And today, it is easy to focus on these comparisons as being a complete and total social construct of absolute insecurity. Even if someone were to compare themselves to someone else under the tone of, well, at least I'm not doing it like that, that's still completely insecure because there's a fear we are unknowingly performing in a way we've long acknowledged is something lesser than our own standards. You know, I always used to joke with my mom, at least I'm not on Maury. <laughs> at least I didn't wind up on an episode of Maury or Jenny Jones or what have you. Uh, yeah. But realistically, it's easier to focus on ideas that perhaps we're not doing as well as our colleagues or peers or even our parents or other important presences in our lives. There's been a long line of complaints from older generations that delegate younger generations as the trophy generations. That kids are awarded trophies for putting forward minimum effort so there's no real competition or so that no one's feelings get hurt. First of all, 
on that note, it's not like the children held anyone at gunpoint and demanded they all receive trophies. Uh, someone probably of an older generation made that decision to hand everybody trophies. Anyway, the point is, it's it's hard to uh, recollect a time where we weren't participating in a competitive world. It's a fact. It's a great, giant, big, mean world with plenty of competitive nature. And that's fine. Until you realize the competition itself is blatantly unbalanced. For people who are consistently putting everything they have into a goal without visible results, would they still be considered a part of the strange generational game? If Susie is playing soccer in her own yard because she can't join a team for a multitude of reasons, but she's an excellent player, would we still consider her a poor a poor player uh, because she's unable to have proven her abilities according to visibility granted by a legitimate team on a legitimate field? For every creative, there is a different path. There are different guidelines and regulations and availability. That alone is enough to denounce the idea of a competition hardly anyone is asking for this day and age. But the mental labor of it all (laughs) is what's most harassing and most important. Even if no one is comparing us to others, we are the ones who are doing the most damage to ourselves. We have unwillingly been put against each other, uh, pit against each other. So it's only natural for us to impress upon our psyche's shortcomings before anyone else can. Studying or consuming someone else's work is what inspires us. Our favorite artists or writers or musicians or entertainers have honed their skill to the peak levels in which we only dream of assuming for ourselves. Who doesn't read Neil Gaiman or Poppy Z. Bright and wish more than anything to write like them? Most often, our interest in our passions is curated by our attraction to a specific person, and we attribute them in what has most endeared us to pursue said goal. Instinctively, if we're striving to be more and more like our idols or inspirations, we're already falling short in that category, because there's only one of them, and there's only one of you. Even looking to your peers, people you routinely see, or those who find their ways into your feeds across social media, we see something in them we have the desire to possess. And it's wounding and it's harmful for our own well-being. How can I compare myself to Alphonse Mucha, uh, one of my favorite artists? I can't. I continually aim to perfect a style and craft reminiscent of Art Nouveau, but the fact is, in doing so, am I making myself littler? Smaller, just to echo however minutely another artist's work rather than marvel in my own style and technique and ability, I can still take inspiration and aspire to include more stylistic designs and capabilities in my work, but there's no sense in beating myself up for not having achieved a specific artistic goal that mirrors an inspiration's work, because I can guarantee even the greats compared themselves to someone else if not a larger idea. Insecurity is an important part of being a creator. It maintains humbleness and curiosity and continually strive to challenge ourselves and do better. But with it, there has to be the security that you are not performing as someone else, but rather as yourself. And with that also comes the kind of idea of imposter syndrome. 
We convince ourselves that by not having achieved goals like our peers or those we look up to, we don't belong or we're not working hard enough or that we're just not good enough. This one for me is an intense consequence. I am consistently insisting there are spaces I don't belong because I'm convinced my work isn't even remotely as impressive as others who would be a part of that space. And when the rejection or the silence befalls us all, it seemingly proves to us our worst fears that we are attempting to put ourselves in those spaces. <sighs> we feel we don't belong and that ultimately we just shouldn't belong. But you have to remember just how much of that is your own. They're, it's, they're your own thoughts that are weaponizing themselves against you. Imposter syndrome and self-awareness sometimes bleed together, but more often than not, they are on absolute polar ends of the spectrum of your abilities and what you do. The fact of the matter is that there is simply no benefit in comparing your skills to someone else. None. You can aspire, take inspiration from, marvel in, and even apply your understanding of something you love and apply it to your own work without pulling yourself down and into the sweet comfort of discouragement. Invalidate those feelings of pitting yourself against others and strive to do better for you. So that one is always very important to me uh, because, again, we all do it, you know, and it I feel like it is very instrumental in harming ourselves, like I said. All right, number seven on the list. You can't do it all. In the previous list, I brought up only a small portion of the effort that goes into being a creative and it is a long, arduous, soul-enveloping endeavor. Again, you have to be your own advocate, a master marketer, a social media whiz, a grade-A budgeter with a prolific and enviable ability to prioritize. There are multitudes of hats to wear when you jump into these fields, and it is no easy feat. If we all had the chance to rely solely on being hired or published or commissioned, it might be a different road. But for a lot of us, we are running ourselves as a full-scale operation on our own. Marketing yourself is laborious, costly, and not always even effective. Designing your website, running your social media, responding to messages and inquiries, engaging constantly, all while striving to focus on your craft. And it is a lot. When all you really want to do is create, these tasks can feel as though they belong in the sidelines. The idea of being discovered anymore is hardly a reliable goal. We have to assume the responsibility and discover ourselves by managing ourselves as though that is our main career. <laughs> and when you consider your craft alone and everything you wish to achieve, that too can feel like a long list of achievements that seem or feel out of reach. And let's be honest... Some of them are when you're doing everything on your own, including the act of simply surviving, striving to expand or challenge yourself in ways that are pushing your own boundaries or zones of comfort or simply put not feasible for now. I think, too, sometimes we've disconnected so intensely. It feels even more difficult to simply ask for help. And there's no guarantee help will actually come through where you need it most. I jokingly keep teasing my nephew and telling him to learn graphic art just so I can hire him because of the workload I wind up with. 
And not everyone has the advantage of being a part of a team or having peers or others around them practiced enough or skilled in these endeavors, you know, be it marketing, social media, framing, editing, you name it. So we strive to be able to do it ourselves because the risk is much less intimidating if you're relying on someone else. If you're doing everything, you have full control, and at least you don't have to wait for someone to write you back with a simple yes or no, or for the drafts to return. So you obsess. You figure it all out yourself. In so many ways, I think this is beneficial and crucial, but it can also be simply too taxing to the point of it negatively affecting you and your work. Sometimes it's just a matter of having someone being objective of their opinions, of someone to simplify a pattern or even a schedule. There are compromises that have to be made for your own well-being. And take it from me, that alone is one of the most trying parts of pursuing my craft. And I've learned to be honest and open in regard to what I can do on my own. At the minimum, I impress people upon the time constraints. You know, my work does not take simply a few hours (laughs) and I have to give myself ample room to sufficiently engage with commissions or jobs or gigs and I absolutely was not always like this motivation is a hard thing for me to come by especially in dealing with depression and I will not lie medication has helped (laughs) but I still have to cope with it all you know I've learned how to prioritize simply better than I used to. And no, I'm not a machine and I can't streamline streamline my process like I'm a factory, but I can be aware of my limits, of my time, of my effort, what's feasible or what's not feasible, and ensure that customers, clients, my teammates and peers understand this. And I'm very, very lucky to be afforded this in most of my jobs. I'm not going to lie and only damage myself by setting unrealistic goals. If someone wants four portraits by the end of the month, but that month is, say, a month I'm doing a big convention in Long Beach, or I have a whole load of work for PCE, or this or that or whatever, I'm going to establish that our timelines need to coincide, because I am not about to only give, like, 30% to a project. Which brings me to my next point. But you can do most of it. (laughs) Now look. If you couldn't tell, I wouldn't give this advice if I hadn't personally been able to do it or haven't extensively sought to understand it. It being my shortcomings, inabilities, or factors that are inaccessible. And again, to reiterate a point I am consistently trying to drive home is the simple fact that none of us are alike. How to perceive, engage, achieve, access, or afford everything Uh, about our craft and wish to continue on in a field is entirely different for every person. But I do know that for a lot of us, we share similarities or similar experiences. For me personally, as I said before, I don't always have the best time with my executive function. (laughs) I have ADHD and have to schedule my day in ways that make sense for me personally and also support my super duper high stress levels of disappointment in my own self. Also working on that though. Uh, I'm absolutely in a position where my work as an artist, both traditional and graphic, is my main focus. And I know that is not the reality for a lot of people, but it's also taken me a very, very long 
time to get here. And I know a large part of it is because I truly have an absolutely supportive team beside me. You know, between my partner, my mom, my brother, my nephew, and my friends, including those of you here at the World of Myth, you know, David K. Montoya, I have put a lot of my eggs into this basket. I've put all my eggs into this basket, if I'm being completely honest. And in the other, you know, smaller basket of, you know, loves and passions and excitable opportunities is, uh, you know, being a, a... a a picture framer, you know, in training and a couple other things, but it's still all creative work. Anyway, so yes, admittedly, I have plenty of privilege here and I'm not going to pretend that it isn't hard, objectifying, completely financially unstable or even realistic. But I also feel like it allows me a bit of perspective regarding how I myself operate and how others who might be in similar emotional and mental positions as as me, you know, uh, and hopefully offer some insight for those who are in totally different positions and roles and stages of their lives. But that being said, 10 years ago, I simply uh, did not even think this is what my life would look like. I had a very different, many, had very many different goals and a very different mindset. I think I had just anticipated waking up and everything would be in order. You know, all my problems would be fixed, that I'd stop being the way that I was, um, and I'd be somewhere within the vicinity of being a respected, you know, special effects artist uh, and a writer. And that's uh, literally what I named as my goal in my montage, in a montage video for when I uh, graduated high school. <laughs> Film industry and writer. Anyway, uh, now don't get me wrong. These are fields I love uh, still and respect and have every intention of being a part of in some way or another. The magazine itself has helped me re-enter the writing world. But it was only after one day I tried to draw a portrait that it came out okay that I decided to really chase that high, you know. Uh, Not even seven years later, I am on a completely new road, a road I am still learning to navigate. And that all being said, I also had a hell of a time growing up. When I say that, I mean in the subject of executive function, or in my case, executive dysfunction. So in case you don't know, executive functioning skills are skills that are controlled by the frontal lobe of our brain. Executive function helps us with basic factors such as managing time, paying attention, switching focus, planning and organizing, details, language, and societal awareness, and multitasking. Executive dysfunction is essentially a symptom of ADHD, depression, learning disabilities, or even damage to the frontal lobe. So when your executive function is disrupted, it obviously hinders your ability to maintain focus, memory, organization, time management, and even creative thinking. And it effing sucks. It sucks so hard. I know there are plenty of people who have the same issue, and it can feel like such a hard setback. And I really had to figure out and learn how to take more control over these factors. You know, like I said previously, I create routines for myself. Before I go to bed, I do a pretty basic layout for my goals for the next day. You know, laundry, vacuum, work on this project, and if I have time, I'll work on another project in the evening. The goals that I am aware of I might not get to, I put a little question mark next to it. This helps with my mental state, honestly. 
if I allow my space that that if I allow myself the space and the room and the fact that I may not achieve that small goal, it's okay. I can do it the day after. If I do get around to it, awesome. Cross it out and move on. That strategy has helped me immensely and I am obsessive about doing it every night. If I am left up to my own devices without a guide, I will lose that day and forget about all of the tasks I have laid out for myself. It's ridiculous. So why is this entire bit about how I function relevant to the concept of the overall prompt that while you can't do everything, you can do most of it? Uh, It has taken me years to figure this out. I haven't had access to therapy to help me assess, but I have resorted to speaking with peers and reading about these issues that I, I face and I deal with. Sometimes things work out. Sometimes they don't. But when I take the time for myself to be a little kinder, a little bit more patient and understanding, I'm able to better harness my abilities and set out to do my tasks. Let's put it this way. About five years ago, I got a commission. The client said, when you have the time. (laughs) About three years later, I implemented my goal lists. It literally took me three years before I was able to get to that commission. Luckily, (laughs) it worked out uh, in my favor. The client was happy and actually glad because my skills had only increased and improved. And I was able to do the commission with a more practiced technique uh, and, and kind of different shifted ideas. But the point is, it took so much time to figure out how to create a system that I had control of and that works for me, you know, and I understand days can be messed up or you can wake up to a whole new set of goals based on the fact that life happens. Uh, But when I took the time to assess and propose ideas and techniques to manage myself, I saw an improvement in how I was able to maintain my pile of daily to-dos. So when I say that I can do it and so can you, I truly do mean it, you know. Don't expect miracles, but realizing that you're not going to operate the same as anyone else in your field It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you or your abilities. It's just that you haven't been given the opportunity to figure out the best way to make your projects and schedules and time work for you specifically. And number nine on my list, one of my favorites. You can start at any age. Uh, I think this is a subject that feels like common knowledge and it's a point that already gets made plenty, but I do want to expand on it. When it comes to where we are generationally and in our present timeline, we can openly admit and acknowledge just how different things are. You know, perception of livelihood has begun shifting in ways that really, uh, they aren't anything new, but being widely realized as acceptable. You know, for a lot of people, having children is no longer their priority. Buying a house is nearly impossible. Uh, Health care access is a joke and offensive in the least. And we are presently living in the midst of call-out culture and the understanding of great inequity and inequality facing people all over the world. And honestly, it's pretty fantastic. Uh, (laughs) The call-out culture part. Suddenly, we're aiming to withdraw from these traditions of gender roles, of basic life achievements, you know, getting married by age 20 or having a family by age 25, and moving into territory where people are more willing uh, and wanting to lay their focus on things different to what have been traditionally the main focus. And it's still so easy to get swept up in the notion that, you know, by age so-and-so, we ought to have done this or that. Today's living generations are aware that retirement is hardly even a consideration anymore. 
And the idea that people don't want to work is the farthest thing from the truth. People are simply sick and tired of being exploited. If we want to have basic amenities, we become aware that at the minimum, we ought to not be killing ourselves for literally scraps. Uh, and this realization has dawned on people for quite a while. We've been arguing about it forever, have had social movements from the last, you know, hundred years ago that are still being, you know, operated today. Uh, I mentioned before that handing a... <laughs> A 16-year-old, a college guide, and asking them what they want to do with their life is such an outdated, silly concept. You know, sure, there are kids who know from a very young age what careers they want to pursue, and honestly, good for them. But for whatever reason, that was uh, always assumed to be the default, you know. But here's the thing. There is no default anymore. We have entered the timeline where kids are challenging social norms and expectations, and we should be excited for that. If no one ever challenged anyone or anything, uh, would we have made the grad gradual the gradual strides in you know civil rights and workers' rights and unions unionization uh, in any and all aspects of life? But people still insist the upcoming generation is nothing but spoiled social justice warriors who don't know anything about the world. Uh, but guess who they've been watching? <laughs> if you grew up in a home that wasn't safe, when you probably decided that you were going to change that for your own home, you know, I'm going to ensure my kids have opportunities I never did, is a clear-cut point that always made, you know, that is always made. And the kids are pursuing that and teaching those of us who are a little older, uh, you know, appointing again, challenging the norm. Something we've only ever been so successful in previously. So when I say that we can do things at any age, I truly mean it. Things are different today and opportunities are expanding. Deciding what pursuing, deciding that pursuing something you've wanted to try for years or something you've only just discovered you're interested in shouldn't have any age restrictions. Our lives are dynamic and ever changing. Where you were 10, 30, 50 years ago does not equate to who you are today. Your goals and desires shift and your aspirations evolve, especially the more you understand about the adjustments within and around us as a society. Disregarding ageist ideas uh, is an op opportunity for your own empowerment. And finally, my absolute most important uh, addition on this list, uh, there are no rules. Like the previous entry regarding age, the idea that there are no rules to being a creative may also sound like an absurdity, absurdly, uh, duh, idea. But I think you'd be surprised at how often we misinterpret uh, foundations with rules. And this particular entry is the perfect summarization of everything I've covered in the first list regarding the lies you're told as a creative as well as this list of the truths, because this is the most true of all the statements regarding creativity. There simply are no rules. So many people wind up in the circle of doubt regarding their skills because they're unsure of their own capabilities. We assume, because we don't think we measure up to those who studied in higher education or trained with masters or those who've had a much broader availability to learning their craft, that we won't find success because we don't know or understand the rules of the trade. 
I'm not supposed to use this kind of brush like this, or I have to just wing it to find success, uh, or even I have to have a fully fleshed out concept. <laughs> and I think there is a direct link to capitalism and consumption with this idea of rules. We're, you know, we're constantly exposed to these things, things we're being told we need. You know, this area covers every part of our lives, but especially regarding our choices of career or hobby fields. We see products designed to make us think we need them in order to find or gain success. We buy the books, the workbooks, the products. We listen to the podcasts and watch the tutorials, and we convince ourselves these are all surefire ways to follow the rules. That these are structures that have been followed by the most successful of those in those fields. And suddenly, if you're not drawing thumbnails of your illustrations or conceptualizing full outlines, you imagine you're already breaking a rule. You might convince yourself, this is just practice. It's just for me. Because you don't want to face the argument within yourself of, our favorite word, imposter syndrome. And it's not just always the case. As I've covered throughout this entire episode and the previous episodes, uh... How you work is a product of who you are. Finding methods that are suitable to you and your being, how you best operate, those are all ideas that will break rules. And it is absolutely your prerogative to experiment with met methods and what you see fit for how you create. When you create or why you create. Subjecting ourselves to constant ideas that work for others but not always ourselves is immediately setting ourselves up for failure and dejection. In short, today you are you. That is truer than true. <laughs> there is no one alive who is youer than you. And I know that's a birthday sentiment from Dr. Seuss, but I think it holds a lot of weight, you know, in day-to-day -day lives. And I really hope that that entire list shed a little bit of insight, you know, and hopefully made people kind of second guess things that, you know, they may have felt previously was holding them back or unsure uh, or even unwilling to push to do things, you know, and that was my goal. So we are done. We are done with our lies and truths. And uh, I have an idea for the next list. Um, and hopefully it will be just as entertaining. Uh, probably not as <laughs> me telling, me just telling people how to live their lives, wagging my finger telling you you're all doing it wrong. No, that's not true. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Thank you for sticking with me and us, you know, during this chaotic little moment in time. Uh, everything is getting back on track, you know, and... I think, I think it's, it's time for, uh, kindness and patience in ourselves. Uh, me being kinder and more patient with myself in particular. But, uh, I also really want to emphasize, I think I'm going to push to actually do a review for it for the next issue of the magazine because I have watched the series twice, twice, uh, if you haven't had the chance to check out Our Flag Means Death on HBO Max, please do. It is the most delightfully entertaining and wholesome 
TV series I've seen in a very long time. It, the humor, not so much the humor, the the warmth and the comfort of it very much reminds me of like Shit's Creek, where in Shit's Creek, you know, there's just this acceptance, this this kind hearted, genuine acceptance of things just are. And I'm not talking about you know Moira Rose who just would do literally anything to be back into the, you know, New York elite, but like just, you know, it's, I don't know. It's such a wonderful show and it's produced by Taika Waititi starring Taika Waititi. Uh, and I love him to death. He looks very, very lovely. I'm going to say this very nicely. He looks very, very good. Very good as Blackbeard. Um, he looks hot, guys. He looks super hot as Blackbeard. Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm going to say, okay? And I just, I love Taika Waititi. Um, but yeah, it's an excellent, delightful show. So I'm probably going to review it because I just love it so much. Like I said, I've watched it twice now. Uh, almost, I've actually kind of watched it closer to three times. But it, that's just because I'm weird like that. Anyway, do not forget about the Open Contract Challenge. Do not forget about MythMart. Do not forget about uh, this month's issue of the magazine being postponed to next month. So the review will be coming out next month. Well, later this month, I should clarify. Um, so, yeah. So until then, you can find us at www.theworldofmyth.com. On Facebook and Twitter at the World of Myth Bits Podcast and the World of Myth Magazine. And on Instagram at the World of Myth Bits. So thank you for your time. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing your ears with me. It is much appreciated. So until next time. <laughs>